Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hello and welcome to Film Chat, a podcast all about a handsome young Oregonian called Daniel, who decides to leave his farm and find himself a wife. This he does within hours, piquing the interest of Daniel's six brothers, Samuel, Sam, Sammy, Samwise, Samwell, and Samcam. Pretty soon, this unwashed bunch of good-natured louts is off to town to find wives of their own, either via courtship or, if that doesn't work, kidnapping is what I would be saying if this were a podaptation of the 1954 musical Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. But it isn't. This is instead a kidnap-free nattering session about movies with me, Sam Foster, and bless his beautiful hide, Danny Moran. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. On this week's film chat, we examine two films that are so similar, they might actually be the same film. The first, ah is a modern melodrama consisting of scenes of defecation, masturbation, and violence, in which all the characters speak and ape like grunts. The second 45 years is exactly the same, except with a completely different story, tone, visual aesthetic, and uh, everybody talks normally in it. They are indistinguishable. We then examine the latest plot details about the upcoming Bourne film, and wonder whether the quote from Matt Damon saying, I don't want Bourne to do any running in this film, no running, just sitting and occasionally reading, is something I've just made up, like literally just then. We also discuss the alarming news that two funny women are writing a funny film for themselves to be funny in. So long, unfunny, ugly men, your reign has ended. Plus, we have a behind-the-scenes peek at the upcoming Steve Jobs biopic, all of which leaves me enough time for me to pitch my idea for a sequel to The Day After Tomorrow entitled The Day After Tomorrow 2, St. George's Day. A decidedly more British take on the disaster movie where Jake Gyllenhaal's character teams up with Jeremy Vine to battle the elements and each other. <laughs> a timely reference there. Films, 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 lots of films, 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 films. films. These good films, bad films, fun films, sad films, films we love, weird films, Lars von Trier films, old films, new films, Sun John. Film chat has begun. 
classic film chat discussion about Inside Out uh, continues. We were Almost voice as casting. timely as the film itself. Absolutely. Timeless, rather. <laughs> yes, timeless. Well, I again on Friday, so... Katie's seen it again, so it is quite um, timely, in fact. Yeah. Did you still like it? I still liked it. Did you still cry? I still cried. Did, Did you still laugh? I still laughed. Very consistent, admirable. So Carol Amuti has sent in his suggestions for the voice cast, alternative voice cast for the various emotions in Inside Out, a film I'm not sure he's seen, but which he has, you know, you understand the concept of the emotions at yeah, least. Yeah. yeah. So for Joy, he's suggesting Dennis Hopper. That's <laughs> quite a sort of left field suggestion. He is pretty happy when he's sort of like his you know. role in Blue Velvet or something. When he's <laughs> when like he, when he's got the Austrian on, he's got the Austrian. Pretty on. happy. Yeah. Well, it's kind of yeah. It's a creepier version. Sadness. He wants Manis, who played Clyde the orangutan. What's that? Do you know what that is? The Clyde. Uh, Who's Clyde the orangutan? Oh, from um, every way, every which way but loose. The Clint Eastwood movie. Well, something. what's Clyde? I haven't seen this movie, so can you tell me what Clyde is like? Is he sad or? I don't know, what was the emotion Carol said? Sadness. Yeah, he's pretty sad. <laughs> I don't well, wanna... I could have you could just you know, if I'd said it other yeah, he's quite angry. <laughs> well, he's an animal, you Yeah, know? he's fearful. Anger, he's suggesting Mel Gibson. I think that's the same as your suggestion, Danny. But it's a well, good suggestion. My script for the Maccabees. Yeah. I mean the angry part of me is mainly complaining about the location of the script for the Maccabees. <laughs> so for me that would work. I complain about your ex wife's boob job. Yeah. <laughs> too big. <laughs> it looks stupid. They make you look stupid. That's going on in the back of my mind all the time. For fear, his suggestion is Gilbert Gottfried. He's probably best known as the voice of the parrot in Aladdin. Yeah. He's quite a frightened parrot, isn't he? He's a bit Iago. scared of his master. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that seems sensible. And for, di- <laughs> <laughs> and for disgust, um, he suggests Wilfred Brimley, who's the guy in The Thing, isn't he? <laughs> Wait, or am I getting really confused? Who? Isn't Wilfred Brimley in The Thing? As which character? The guy, um, the girl goes crazy and then is locked up in the... This is probably should have looked this up before. Wait. Hold on, listeners. No, wait a second. There'll be Hold a br- on. Can we just put... Don't like panic, a- listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, guys. I've Googled. I was crashed. Look, this is amazing. This is what film knowledge you always have at your fingertips, Danny, and I'm dis- displaying it in a very wow. uncertain but accurate way. <laughs> so Wilfred Brimley is the guy in the thing who's like goes crazy and then he like shoots them with a shotgun and then they lock him in the yeah. you know cabin outside. Doc or something. Yeah, he's called Doc or Professor or like wise mustachioed old man or something like that. <laughs> Very cool. I'm um, wondering if there's like some sort of famous film he's in where he's disgusted in it and we're just not we're gonna need reference. a follow-up from carol on this one okay. carol, please clarify you've baffled us about. you've baffled us carol you've thrown us into um spasm of self-doubt and confusion so clear that one up please superhero films announced casting rumors leaking out m not Shyamalan's film is hated paul thomas anderson's is fated meryl streep's oscar tipped matt damon's in a viral vid michael bay's made a mint so, news. Born 5, uh, which is yet to get a proper title, is gearing up into production, and Matt Damon, who's currently on the press tour for The Martian, has dropped some nuggets about the plot. He's dropped a few little nuggets, and yeah. someone collected them from his seat afterwards. And they've transcribed they've read into them. the nuggets, <laughs> and I'm now going to read what they transcribed. So, he is working on the script with uh, Paul Greengrass, the retained director, and this guy called Christopher Rouse. Don't ask me anything about him, Sam, because I have not prepared... 
anything about Christopher Rouse. <laughs> okay. Um, but he, Matt Damon says the following, we always looked at those movies as really about the Bush presidency. And so we kind of had to wait for the world to change. What does that character have to say? He continues, well, giving too much away, it's a, it's born through an austerity-riddled Europe in a post-Edward Snowden world. It seems like enough has changed, you know. These are all kind of arguments about spying and civil liberties and the nature of democracy. We're starting in Greece, you know, the beginning of democracy, and the movie ends in Las Vegas, the most grotesque incarnation of... And then he just trails off. And then off. he just trails off because he doesn't want to insult Las Vegas. Yeah. Just because he's so bloody nice. Wonderfulness. That's probably what he was going to say. That's probably what he was going to say. So that all sounds quite interesting. It sounds interesting. I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense as well because they were all about CIA black sites and, you know, that kind of war and terror type attitude. And uh, that has been replaced with different kinds of conversations about spying and stuff. So I like how he's like, we couldn't return to it until, you know, the world had changed. It's like, in the meantime, some other shitty film came out with some other dude about nothing. <laughs> Uh, but don't worry about that. We're back now. Yeah. Yeah. I think they should just uh, call it Born 5, and they should have a character who's like a child who was born five years old. How about that? Born son. <laughs> he's got a yeah. kid in this one. He's got a kid, and he was born five years old. Okay, sorry. Just ignore me. Go carry on. What were we going to say? I was saying, because it's uh, austerity-riddled Europe, because usually one of the trademarks of Born is improvising weapons out of like household objects. But you think now he just can't even afford those. <laughs> so the guy's got a gun before he just roll up a newspaper, but he can't even get his hands on one of those now. Yeah. What's he going to use? Just some dirt or just something. toilet paper or something. Yeah, a yeah, handful of sand. That's, that's all he can get. Yeah. I like how he starts in Greece and ends in Las Vegas. So I guess it's all about debt. You know, he goes to a country oh, where nice. they have like maximum amount of state debt. And then he goes to somewhere where there's like the maximum amount of private debt. Is he saying something about the casino of Europe? Yes. Brilliant. He, pro he probably like bursts into the Euro group and like shoots Jissel Blom or something. I don't know. <laughs> he gets he gets um, John Claude Juncker and like kidnaps him. Like, there could all be all sorts of uh, incisive kind of satire there. Yeah. Yeah. Puts a jacket on him. He joins Syriza. Oh, shit. <laughs> he like gets on Varoufakis's motorbike and like I don't know. I'm just saying names now. <laughs> I think I think Varoufakis, the Greek finance minister, is probably the closest politician to born. Ex-finance minister, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's probably the closest one to born, right? Yeah. He's basically true. the born of Europe, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Isn't he, though? I mean, he just is, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It's not even and a kind of de like, debate point. It's just obvious, isn't Angela it? Angela Merkel's like Rosa Klebb from, from Russia with Love. Corman's like Obi-Wan. I think they should call it's, this one, you know, Cor Corborn. The Corb... <laughs> Jeremy Corborn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Yeah? Because they have a similar dress sense. They dress down, the casual wear. <laughs> Muted colours. That's true. He's like the, uh, you know, Corbyn is to the political establishment as Bourne is to Bond. Yeah. Yeah. You know, James Bond is always like, ah, come on. Bond is so fucking Bourne, Tory. He just, yeah, exactly. He's so Tory. He's always complaining about Bourne's T-shirts and stuff like that. And he doesn't have a mum to knit his jumpers, but if he did, she probably would do that. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. We got all we got all these ideas. Wow. Yeah, wow. Get on the phone to I, Rouse right now. We got some great ideas. Rouse? I don't know who you are. Rouse? I got very <laughs> politically active over the last six months, and that means that I'm bursting with notions for your newborn film. Yeah. Get yeah. on it, Rouse. Get on it. So, uh, female comedian news, which is not a sort of segment, but I say that, <laughs> that it sounds like it is. Amy Schumer and Jennifer Lawrence, two of the world's most beloved and uh, successful, you know, up-and-coming uh, ladies, are working <laughs> together on a script that they are aiming to star in. I guess they're pals, you know, they're both very likeable. Funny, and, uh, it attractive makes, it women. Make, it makes perfect sense that they be friends. friends. Of course they're friends. Does Jennifer Lawrence have any script writing experience? 
No. She's just going to sort of know. project her charm purely on, you know, just onto the stage. Maybe she ad libbed. She must have ad libbed a lot of American Hustle. That movie seemed very improvised. I think most of Mockingjay Part One is just a J Law <laughs> ad lib. Um, yeah, it's still at an early stage. Lawrence was uh, talking to the New York Times about the Hunger Games, uh, the Hunger Games Mockingjay Part Two, and she didn't say that much except that uh, they are playing sisters and they've got about hundred pages and it just flowed out of them. Apparently, wow, it's just so easy. That's, I mean, you're that funny. Yeah, you just like. Phew. Yeah, done. They're just na- they're two naturally very funny women. They just hung out, and a hundred pages basically appeared automatically. Wow. That sounds really great. They became friends after Jennifer Lawrence saw Trainwreck, and uh, then they went on holiday together. And now it's all gone professional. So they're moving quite rapidly. So, so to become friends with Jennifer Lawrence, you just have to make a film she likes, and she'll just call you up and be like, "Let's be best friends." Yeah, car crash, Danny. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> uh, final bit of news. Last week we. Um, rang up Woody to discuss the firing of Bruce Willis from his upcoming project, still mm-hmm. untitled. It's called Woody Allen Summer Project 2016. You might keep that title, we don't know. Um, but in the interim, Steve Carell has been cast as Bruce's replacement. Yeah. Exciting stuff. And he's worked with Woody before, right? Yeah, he was in Melinda and Melinda with it in a tiny role. Yeah, but, but since then he's gone all serious, so... Yeah, he's an Oscar-nominated actor now. You wouldn't say that Steve Carell and Bruce Willis were natural, like, on-screen, interchangeable characters. I doubt they've ever gone up for the same part. (laughs) (laughs) I think it may be another indication of Woody's rather relaxed attitude towards his movies. (laughs) It's really just any person. So, obviously, my first instinct was to call up Woody. You know, he's a friend of the show, find out what's what. But as I reached for my phone, I discovered I had a message waiting for me. And lo and behold, it was Woody himself. So I'm just going to play that. Please leave your message after the tone. Hey, hello, Danny. Um, it's uh, Woody Allen. I don't know if that's clear from my unique voice. I very much enjoyed our conversation the other day. It was very stimulating about Bruce Willis and the trouble we were having. And I wanted to give you an exclusive uh, bit of news about my movie, which unfortunately is public already. But um, I thought I would let you know. Steve Carell's one of my favorite actors. I absolutely loved him in Noah Almighty, you know, that uh, film he made. And he was um, Melinda and Melinda and Melinda. I, I, I do remember all the details of that movie I made, but I'm pretty sure he was the character of Melinda. So I called him back up and I said, um, Steve, would you be willing to shave, you know, and work out a little bit and play a bit older, you know, and get a bit grumpier and whisper a lot and be in my film as Bruce Willis? The, the title of the movie is still going to be Bruce Willis, so, you know, you have to be a lot like Bruce. And he just said yes, so I'm pretty excited. And uh, I look forward to telling you a lot more about it. As you can hear, I'm very excited. I'm in a very excitable mood. I don't know it might be because the Knicks just won in the final quarter, but uh, just thought I'd let you know. But anyway, I got to go. I got to gotta go do something, whatever it is I do with my day. Yeah, I guess I'll see you later. Bye. Oh, always lovely to hear from Woody. Yeah, he's in a very strange mood there. Didn't sound much like himself. Well, you know, he's mercurial. I don't think he really knew what he was going to say before he called you. <laughs> it just sounded a bit... Sounded a bit rushed at yeah, sort of last minute. It was a little bit flubbed. Anyway, better anyway, luck next time, Woody. Lovely to hear from you. And now for Danny to review a film he recently saw. Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it ask-punchingly poor? How did Danny form a judgment? We're about to hear his thoughts. If he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off. So, ah! Can I ask you how, to, how this title is spelled? Uh, with eight A's, a H, and an exclamation mark. 
You know there's a computer game with that name. Well, lawsuit pending. <laughs> something someone might say. Um, so I saw this movie at Fright Fest. It was Fright Fest last weekend. And I saw this was, in fact, the UK premiere. The world premiere, in fact. So this is a bloody exclusive me. and a half. Um, this is written, directed, and starring Steve Oram, who is the co-writer and star of Sightseers. He's the guy with the big ginger beard. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is... And this is his directorial debut. The official synopsis is as follows. Alpha male Smith and his beta, Keith, make a move to take over a local community. They hook up with restless female Denise, igniting a deadly feud in which emotions run high and deep-seated grudges resurface amongst the tribe. Are we not men, or are we simply beasts? This is a celluloid primal scream in which the entire cast speaks in grunts and gibberish, an anarchic, hilarious, disturbing, and touching look at the human condition. So the main point of this uh, movie is that there are, there's no uh, English dialogue in the entire film. Everyone just speaks in a sort of, ha oh, ah. Ah, right. Kind of way. They're sort of like cross between apes and the Sims. So yeah, this is a really bizarre film that resists easy characterization, but I thought um I really enjoyed it. It's a film that's destined to be a cult oddity, mainly from just from that premise. Yeah. Uh it's exactly I don't know, it's exactly what you think it is. If whatever you're imagining that film's gonna be like is that. And um on one hand it's this big a dumb metaphor which seems to be making these sort of sly comments about a sort of patriarchal society because the men are like alpha males and they're jealous and petty and fight at the drop of a hat and um, there's some like sly very obvious metaphors about how humans interact with each other in general Uh, and on the other hand it is just like a sort of relentlessly puerile comedy where many of the punchlines are about bodily fluids and um, there's one memorable scene where someone teabags uh, Julian Reintut, which... Oh, he's in it. Yeah, he's very funny. Right. Um, Mac from uh, Greenwing, right? Yeah. A lot of the comedy derives, or maybe just like comedy in general, derives from the idea of like adults behaving like children, yeah. like acting petty or jealous, whatever. So it feels like this movie is like the logical end point. Yeah. And uh, I think that humour probably works best when... It exists in a world where you, a certain level of maturity is expected, but this exists in a world where everybody is and like an ape person. Uh, so the potency of that idea is slightly diminished. It's kind of there's a novelty of it for the first twenty minutes of just watching these sort of um, parade of sort of British comedy actors just acting like apes. It's a bit, but that bit sort of weird and like you know it's funny just to see uh, Steve Oram and Julia Ryan Tut just like. So are there, are there a lot of um, familiar faces in it? Yeah. There's like a whole raft of like British comedians. A lot of sort of that guy from that thing kind of... That's um, one of the big strengths of the movie is they're all like very game. And um, it's remarkable how much they sort of uh, put across with very little to work with in a way. Because it's very like broad strokes in the plot. And also they have no real... They have no lines. But they're actually giving very nuanced performances. Like Julian Ryan Tut is very good as like sort of alpha male character and uh, julian barrett is like the sort of former husband that's been shunned from the tribe and just spends most of the um film just in the garden eating battenberg sounds like him yeah classic him but i thought what was kind of impressive about the film is that it could have easily been a bit sort of one joke script but it has like a very solid plot to it and once the movie kind of finds its groove it, it kind of has like a nice little pace to it it's only 79 minutes so it zips along going back to the idea of like reducing things down there's something funny about 
like a, what the plot is essentially like an episode of EastEnders, but just played as if it's some sort of melodrama. So everything's like amped up to like the extreme, and there's some hilarious music cues in it where it's just people like looking at each other, but the music is like hilariously loud. Is it like scary at all? Showing at Fright Fest? No, it's it's got it's very gory at times because um, some fights descend in like to like limbs being hacked off and stuff, and there's um there's a lot of gross out humor. And uh, if you're at all squeamish to jizz or blood. (laughs) (coughs) Not blood, but I am quite squeamish about jizz. Or things of that nature. The the sight of jizz on screen makes me deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, it's a bit like um, Bad Taste, Peter Jackson's first film. That sort of like weird 80s, squelchy, you know, homemade... Exploding well, they, like the whole of... family is like drinking from the bowl of sick or something. Yeah, like yeah. those kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's quite visceral in that regard. It's impressive how well it's kind of put together as well. From the trailer, it's like very amateurishly shot. You might think it just looks like someone got their home video camera and just shot it with their mates. And it certainly has that kind of quality to it. It's all shot in like four free, and there's like a comical overuse of the zoom like it's like someone just you know it's like a kid who just found a camera but at the same time it's really well edited together it's like a um deliberately two things it's like a smart dumb movie which just looks like it was just shot yesterday but at the same time it's really cleverly edited and there's jokes in the editing and like reaction shots and there's like a hilarious sequence where people are reacting to something and it just zooms in on people's faces like endlessly and like it's a bit like sort of Garth Marenghi yeah, sort of yeah, like yeah. deliberately yeah, bad that's but what I was sort of thinking yeah it's a very singular film I think since doing this show like I've reviewed a bunch of films where like I didn't get it it's like weird and I didn't get it but I think this is a weird one which I sort of got if you like sightseers I think you'd enjoy it it's very that kind of humour and um I would suggest watching with a bunch of people because it's a lot. It's a big sort of um, broad comedy and like a lot of sort of visceral, gross-out moments. It'd be it'd be bizarre watching it by yourself. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, so sort of like you want to experience the cringe in a group. Yeah. So it's doing a sort of nationwide tour, like Picturehouse Cinemas, and then it goes on demand in a month or so. But uh, yeah, if you like Sightseers or if you like Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, that sort of humour, I would check it out. It's a very odd film. Sounds good. Hard to Google. Hard to Google. Eight A's and an H and an exclamation point. Steve Oram. That might be more useful. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. It's easier to Google. Looks like Sam's got a film to review. He's just getting ready now. Hey Sam, here's a few tips for you that I hope are going to help you out. You gotta come prepared, try not to rush, speak directly into the mic. Um, don't sort of use filler words too much and try to avoid talking total shite. Okay, start reviewing now. So I went to see a um, extremely conventionally shot and plotted film. What? In, in contrast to your mental <sighs> festival experience. Um it's called 45 Years. It came out uh, quite recently. It's been very, very well received. A lot of people like it. 
Um, it stars Charlotte Rampling and Tom Courtney. And they play Kate and Jeff Mercer. They're an older couple. They're living in the sort of comfortable, retired life in a country house. And they're getting ready to celebrate their 45th wedding anniversary with a big party. And out of the blue, a letter arrives for Jeff. And it informs him that an old girlfriend of his um, who died on a mountain climbing expedition um, 50 years previously has been found frozen in ice and they found her body and they um, want him to go to Switzerland um, to, to check it out. And um, this kind of sets off tensions in the marriage and he becomes kind of preoccupied with the past and uh, Kate starts to wonder whether the, uh, there are some cracks in the foundations of their marriage Bloody hell. kind of thing. So it's a very deliberately paced um, kind of stagey family drama, um, but it's very, very well done. So if you have an appetite for that kind of thing, it's a little bit like a Radio 4 play of the day sure. sort of thing, but like very like nicely pitched. Um, the performances are really excellent. They kind of hold the whole thing together. In fact, a lot of it relies on Charlotte Rampling reaction shots, you know, just shots of Rampling and like inner turmoil is there. Brilliant. Yeah. The Rampling. director, there is a guy called Andrew Haig, and he was probably always like, yeah, Rampling let's see the torment behind your eyes for, React, the, next, for the next five minutes you're just smoking outside your house look distressed um yeah but she does that very well <laughs> and tom courtney is quite good as well he's like a he has a semi kind of doddery but in a uh, inscrutable way atmosphere to him you kind of don't know quite what's going on you can understand why it'd be uh you know, you'd be like worried about what he's really thinking and stuff. Sure. And there are some nice ways that they increase the tensions in the marriage. Like this old girlfriend is called Katia and Charlotte Ramsey's character is called Kate and they're both like dark haired and, um, you know, he starts to wonder like, oh. was I just a replacement for the old girlfriend? Kind yeah. of thing. And uh, Say it like that. What am I doing? That's her voice throughout the whole movie. Like, <laughs> oh, what am I doing? Oh, Jeff! <laughs> Do you love her more than me? What? <laughs> yeah, that's it's a it's a very odd choice, um, actor, uh, performance-wise. But it works. But it works. It works. It's very powerful. Um, one of the things that elevates it a little bit from uh, being just like a stage play is that there are some elements to it that. Um, make it seem almost like a ghost story where there is no like supernatural element or no real ghost and obviously the past is coming back to haunt them type of thing sure. but it's like that element is brought out a little bit um, and I like the whole notion of uh, that being represented by something being found in the ice it's like something from a horror story yeah like the thing or um, <laughs> uh, that fortitude that TV show sure. it's that similar kind of idea but like done in the sort of family drama way um, and there's also like a loft that has um, like some of his old like belongings in it and stuff from his past and it's sort of played as this creepy like ghost loft sort of thing yeah yeah um, it's rare. yeah and so it, it's 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 all very subtly done so it doesn't feel like this corny like haunted house thing that's been overlaid on it but it just gives it a little bit of extra depth rather than it being like cool. entirely flat so yeah the script is uh, really good it's very like naturalistic and um it's like quite funny at times yeah i liked it it's pretty good it's very like middle england you yeah. know there's something slightly drab about the setting which the movie has to kind of overcome 
Sure. Know, they just like they're in their sort of nice house and they take the dog for walks and she wanders around Dorothy Perkins, you know, and it's all a bit like yeah, yeah. very familiar to anyone who lives in England. But uh, I would say, you know, Would if you're in the mood like for it, it? I don't know. I don't it? know, Danny. I find your mum's taste somewhat unpredictable. She's, yeah, she likes the best exotic old. Mar- she likes old people in films. Well, they are old. There are definitely old people in this film, but it's right, it's okay. quite low on events. You know, it's all it's all very um, understated and uh, slightly slow paced. So gotcha. it depends on your patience for that kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know what my mom thinks anymore. I was watching it in this really packed out screening in the Barbican, like surprisingly, like rammed. Yeah, it's funny because we went to see the Man from Uncle, and there was like two people in the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> we go to see this uh, film about two old people bickering, and it's like. It's like absolutely packed out. But there was a couple next to me, and at one point in the movie, I just heard the woman lean over and be like, This is a bit boring, isn't it? Um, Shut up. <laughs> I can sympathize to an extent with people that would find it boring, but. You've got to be in the mood for it. You've you got to be in the mood for it. But yeah. it, kept, it kept me interested. I thought it was really good. I mean, it's good. very like the performances are really great, and you can really kind of lose yourself in them. And the fact that it's these two kind of old movie stars, not that I know that much about them, but I know that Charlotte Rampling was yeah. like a model and actress in the 60s, and Tom Corney was in Dr. Zhivago and stuff like that. They've got their baggage. Yeah, they got, but it like, it's kind of suitable because the whole movie is about the past. So that the whole movie you're watching them, you're thinking about what well, they look like young. So it kind of sure. makes sense. And because they have that slight legend glamour to them, it helps a little bit with the um, extremely mundane. Uh, aspects well yeah i've always think with kind of like this might be a bit of a tangent katie feel free to tangent alert but often i uh take my dear mum to the cinema and she always wants she always wants to watch these sort of um gray pound movies and it's a bit like with those films it's like we found some script uh we found some script (laughs) and uh we've added more script to the script we found some story and we just got some fests but to be in it who will get the punters in and we set it in a nice place and it's a bit like a series of postcards with Judy Dench mumbling something. Yeah. You know. But do you think like it's a bit more? I don't. It? I don't it's think like... it's. It's definitely not like that because it doesn't have that kind of immediate appeal to it. Yeah. And it's it's more like a kind of old person version of Blue Valentine or something. You know. It's cool. like a difficult. It's like this difficult, tense movie. It's not this pleasant. Like look at these old people wandering about. It's like the marriage is kind of collapsing and it's like, you know, anxiety inducing. Forty five so. years though. Yeah. You just go on in for 45 years, in for the long haul. Yeah, well, are you though, Danny? Even after 45 years, things can happen. That's the message. Yeah. Don't relax. So, I, um, I recommend it. I recommend it to your mother. I recommend it to you. What about my father? I do not recommend it to him. The man's a Philistine. He understands nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I would disagree with you, but you're right. You're absolutely right. Man's a moron. It's a fool. It's a moron. He's a moron. <laughs> Yesterday I bumped into Imelda Staunton She was up with her dog and we got talking I asked her what she does when she isn't acting She said she likes podcasts for relaxing Imelda, when you're in the mood What do you listen to? She said I listen to one podcast I listen to one podcast Will you the ones can kiss my ass Yes, I listen to one podcast Film chat, film chat So this week, the London Film Festival lineup was announced. Lots of interesting titles and exciting films. Mm. I'm going to go to some of them. Mm, I hope so. I hope I do as well. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He said (laughs) semi-coherently. 
as um, previously announced on the podcast, the closing film of the London Film Festival is the Jobs biopic called Jobs, um, written by Aaron Sorkin and directed yep. by Danny Boyle and starring Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender and Steve Jobs. The, and the living human who looks the most like Steve Jobs. It's like looking in a mirror that only shows a picture of Steve Jobs, <laughs> which is in fact a mirror and just a screen. Yeah. Seth Rogen's in it as uh, Steve Wozniak. Yeah. And Kate Winslet's in it for some reason. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so um, this film, we don't know how it's going to be received. Hopefully it will be good. It's got one of the world's most famous script writers, um, although recently he's been going through a bit of a rough patch due to the newsroom. And there was an earlier cut of the film, which uh, had some trouble with the audiences. And unfortunately, they got into a few problems because of their decision to have every character refer to him as Jobs instead of Steve. Yeah. And yeah. You know, that can contextually cause some issues. Because so. it's a noun. Jobs is a noun, right? Jobs is a noun. Um, so anyway, I've got a few um, insider insiders in the biz. And yeah. they sent me the, the rushes they had to cut. And um, we're going to watch them now. You can embarrassing. Yeah. Thanks, insiders. Hey, Bosniak. Can't the operating system work a little faster? My reputation depends on a fast operating system. I'm working full-time. Full-time, Jobs. You know, Jobs, we could build this computer a lot quicker if you gave me a hand. What? A hand, Jobs. A hand, Jobs. I had a fight with Steve earlier. We almost came to blow, Jobs. Don't you mean you almost came to blows? I, that's what I said. We almost came to blow, Jobs. We came to blow jobs. Hey, Steve. Um, I'm trying to make myself a margarita, but I, I can't remember where the salt goes. Where do I put the salt in the glass? Put on the rim, jobs. The rim, jobs. You put the salt on the rim, jobs. Hey, Steve. Tell it to me straight. Let's face facts, jobs. Your brain system's gonna suck, jobs. It's gonna suck, jobs. What? Mmm, strange. Interesting rhythm to the to the script. Yeah. I like the repetitiveness. He's very direct, isn't he, Sorkin? Yeah. People talking to each other in rooms, they shouting point each other. and they shout. That's what makes him great, but that can also be his downfall. It's true. So, listeners, uh, important film chat announcement. Maybe no film chat next week unless Danny cobbles together something by himself because I am away and our star producer, Katie Rogers, the glamorous, talented, wonderful Katie Rogers, <laughs> is going away. You're going on a trip? Yeah. yeah where, are you where are you going, Katie? Where are you going and why? From you, away from you. She's going away. <laughs> <laughs> That's the tenth time I've asked her and I've got the same answer every time. And when are you going to be back? Uh, end, end of November, I think. End of November. End of November, Jesus. Yeah. So I guess in between now and then, Film Chat is going to be a kind of uh, more cobbled together amateurish affair. Yeah. It's going to be down to just me and you. It's sort of hilarious, bumbling two guys trying to work the equipment kind of thing. It's going to be hilarious. Yeah. As we approach our one year anniversary, we're going to regress to our amateur early episodes. Yeah. It'll be nostalgic and endearing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be like that episode of Father Ted where Mrs. Dawes isn't available and they have to make the tea and they can't make the tea. Anyway, see you all soon, but not that soon. 
but as yeah, we've just established in two weeks i guess two weeks. have a wonderful next week whatever you get up to guys yeah and yeah goodbye katie bye bye katie bye and Good- goodbye listeners goodbye that's uh, sorry that's to the spin your passion into a business with shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout let's hear that one more time the world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. I'm not a listener, but bye. Bye. Bye.